Thank you to Airbnb, presenting sponsor of African Tech Roundup's podcast miniseries on inclusive travel and tourism, recorded at the Africa Travel Summit 2018. Visit airbnb.com right now to discover and book unique homes, experiences, and places all over the world. They're all waiting at airbnb.com. I'm Andy Lemassou, and coming up is a brief chat with the Canadian founder and managing director of Cache Consulting, a firm servicing governments, multinational corporations, and global NGOs. My guest happens to be a strategic advisor to CNN International, a board member for the Tebe Group, and a strategic resource to the World Bank. She has over two decades of professional experience gleaned on almost every continent and possesses an enviable grasp of the economic, social, political, and environmental dynamics impacting nations grappling with change. In this conversation, we reflect on the progress Africa is making in terms of innovating the continent's tourism industry and flag what remains undone. This is an independent African Tech Roundup production. The opinions expressed by me, your host, and those of my guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the presenting partner, Airbnb. My name is Anita Menderotta. I am an independent consultant in tourism and development. Within that, I'm very blessed to be special advisor to the UNWTO's Secretary General, as well as work with different groups such as CNN International, private clients, governments around the world, and thrilled to be here with Airbnb as the moderator at the Africa Travel Summit. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup, Anita. Thank you so much. Perhaps let our audience in first on your journey within this space. Just to verify, my accent is Canadian, but I left Canada many, many, many years ago. I've been on the continent since 1991, so my roots are very much in Africa, and very blessed to have been in South Africa for the last 24 years, uh, though my office has just moved to London. But this is very much home for me. I think my vantage point, I'm very blessed in that I've been a tourist and a traveler since I was in diapers. I was born in Canada, my family's from India, so we were going back and forth to see family. And through life and through serendipity and through great blessing and great connections and champions, uh, I came into the tourism and development space. Started my own business 16 years ago, and I've been working with the United Nations, particularly for the last seven as, as a partner, and thrilled about it. Importantly, what I'm really enjoying is the fact that tourism's time has come. There's that lovely expression by Victor Hugo, the French poet, that there is no greater power than an idea whose time has come, and tourism's time has come. Reason being, if we look at it, it's the greatest force of our generation in terms of connecting people around the world based on curiosity and understanding differences. So despite politics, despite economies and challenges, the world is continuing to grow. It's the only sector in the world that's growing as rapidly as it is. African tourism grew 9% last year, which is huge, but it's still not enough. And that's why with Airbnb bringing everyone together as tourism leaders to say, let's find a solution together. So effectively crowdsourcing the growth of tourism, that's brilliant. So I think I find that What's lovely about our industry is that in addition to the fact that absolutely it has an economic impact, it has an environmental impact and social all for the good, but importantly, it has a spiritual impact. It makes people proud of their home. It makes them proud of their identity and it makes them curious to learn about others and how they feel about their lives. So we are an industry that 
even if people aren't traveling and they are here as hosts for Airbnb, they're having the world come into their home. So their sense of pride and their sense of purpose and feeling part of the country is strengthened through what travel does, even if they're not traveling. Listening to you, I started to reflect on you know where I was in 1991, my family getting ready to leave Zimbabwe to live in the Philippines. And I suppose I'm curious to know, in terms of the Africa you found when you first arrived and the Africa we are now... Like, what would you say has been the, the most sort of fulfilling growth space for you within this, this industry? And what do you feel is the biggest to-do list item that we're yet to sort of apply ourselves to? What would you say when you reflect on 91 versus 2018? It's, it's a great, great question. So thank you for that. If I look at the biggest change that's really come, quite honestly, and as, as, as dry as this sounds, it's actually democracy. Because I came into the continent in 1991, into Malawi. That was during under President Banda's regime. And that's when the country was very much locked in a dictatorship. South Africa was still going through its struggles as well. And so I've been able to be on the continent and working with different governments as they become democracies. And it's been fascinating to see just the opportunity for people to be able to take ownership of their own lives, the role that tourism has played in that. But I think very importantly, the biggest shift for me has been a shift of values. I came from one of the most populated, not populated, but one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And I've spent the last 20 something years helping countries at the bottom of the spectrum build up again. And it's not just about national wealth, it is about national identity and pride. And to be a part of that has been remarkable. And it's fabulous to see, especially especially through an industry like tourism, you really can take people who've had nothing previously, give them something meaningful to get involved with, not just do, but become involved with. And they can feel as if they're participating in the future of their country, whether they're being a supply chain person within the host's environment or they're running a tour company. It's, it's very exciting. When you give someone a sense of empowerment and dignity, magic happens. And so what remains undone to your mind? I think a lot of it is going to be about coordinating that and lifting the baseline. So as much as we've created opportunities and there's momentum, we need to make sure that those opportunities are being spread, especially when it comes to SME development. And that's where Airbnb has been so interesting because they've really been on the front line of developing SMEs. Every single one of their hosts is now suddenly an entrepreneur in their own home. That's brilliant. And that's Do you think that's the next wave, the democratization of the industry itself, you know, following Africa by and large leaning into the the ideals and mores of democracy as a as an you know as an ideal and now perhaps what used to be a highly centralized industry controlled by very few becoming far less centralized I think that's a great point that you're making because it's not just the democratization, it's the appreciation of the democratization. So the older models are more structured, as you're saying, and controlled, appreciating the value that all of these SMEs bring, the value that this sharing economy, whatever we want to call it, brings not as competition, but as cooperation. All of these little businesses are complementing the traditional big businesses. They're not taking away from them because the traveling population is continuing to grow. So I think it's going to be democratization with the appreciation to have a greater whole rather than compete. We're taking time out to thank the presenting sponsor for this series, Airbnb. Can you imagine a world without travel? We certainly can't. And that's why at African Tech Roundup, we reckon that the opportunity to travel and experience everything our world has to offer should be something everyone can enjoy. Airbnb happens to think so too. 
They also believe that Africa's travel and tourism industry can do a lot to sustainably empower and economically elevate underserved communities, which is why they hosted the first ever Africa Travel Summit in Cape Town's Walanga Township in 2018, where this series was recorded. Airbnb can't wait to put you onto millions of unique homes, experiences, and places all over the world. Book now at airbnb.com. And now, back to the conversation. We speak often on, on this platform about, you know, Africa being behind the curve in terms of internet penetration, even taking into account growth in mobile, etc. Some people are concerned that this trend towards the shared economy, towards democratization, however well-meaning, might have a negative impact or an unintended negative impact. What do you reckon are some of the things to watch for or plan for in this coordination phase that you, you reckon we need to, to, to jump in to as, as a continent? Indeed. Ultimately, technology needs to be a force for good. It can be used either way. And I think what's important is, so to your initial point about Africa itself and advancing, it's recognizing that it's 50 plus countries and they're all going to be changing at different rates. So if you look at a country like a Rwanda, like a Kenya, like a South Africa that are at the, at the front line in terms of development and opportunity, they're those that need to also get into that slipstream. So I think the opportunity for Africa is first being able to dissect it down into all of the different markets that it represents and making sure that all of them have a chance to actually become liberated and within that empowered in terms of SME development, economic impact and social participation. But then when it comes to how do we then move that forward, I do believe that there is going to be controls, not the right word. It's not about regulations. Ultimately, Technology is a tool, and it's our value system and our ethics that define how we use that tool. It's not about policies and regulations. So I think people recognizing that we need to use technology to bring us closer together and not push us apart. It's really, ultimately, it becomes down to that. Listen, make an economic case for... New big players like Airbnb, certainly. I think you've made part of the case for why they're involved in this industry. But perhaps large incumbents or money that would back large plays within sort of traditional spaces within this industry. So make an economic argument for why now is the time to get stuck in on the continent in its various markets. Then after that, please make an economic argument for people listening to us, perhaps SMEs, startup founders venture capitalists interested in backing promising potential founders in this space? That's a fabulous question and immediately when I think about the answer it comes down to ecosystems because I think importantly whether it's an Airbnb or anything else and that like that type of entity a travel provider, a host, a little home, suddenly becomes a stimulus for other businesses to be unlocked linked to that. So the business case is basically saying travel and tourism is never about simply travel and tourism. The, the multiplier effect that it has across other economic sectors, across other SMEs, that's the business case because it's never singular. There's never enough. Airbnb is in an interesting position right now where it started off its initial offering in terms of what it represented in, in home sharing and, and room sharing, but it's evolved now into experiences. It's now got the academy. So its purpose is evolving as well. And that's a great example of how when you combine intelligence, 
technology and vision, there's no limitation. So the time in the business case is based on literally how much more can we do with what we already know is strength. From an investor point of view, the roots of travel and tourism are deep and that the branches are very long and wide. There is such enormous potential in our industry because there's increasing diversification of not just the travelers, but the travel experiences they're seeking, how they get to a destination, where they stay, what they do, and that will vary from location to location. So from an investment point of view, it really is unlocking an ecosystem economically, not just a business itself, and that allows for diversification, which is endless opportunity. And it sounds like the same motivation for both big plays, small plays. Am I right? Absolutely. I think what's interesting as well about if you look at particularly Airbnb and the, the way in which we talk in the industry about having local experiences and immersion and getting to live like a local, you can't do that more closely than an Airbnb. You're literally living with a local. I think that's teaching the old traditional models a lot more about it's not just the hard infrastructure of how one stays, it's the soft infrastructure. In a hotel chain, that might translate to the service culture. It's these little things that matter because ultimately people expect a clean bed, hot water, Wi-Fi. That's not a deal breaker anymore. But if I walk in and I see you on a regular basis as one of my customers at my property and I don't recognize you by your name on the second visit, something's wrong. I'm not caring about you no matter how much I care about the quality of the room I'm giving you. So I think the interpersonal relationships are becoming fundamentally a part of the tourism experience now. And that's where the learning goes into the traditional models brought in very much by the SMMEs who's create, who are creating a differentiator by being personal. So my final question is pretty, a pretty tricky one. And um, How do we harness the best of what you've described within an African context without fetishizing some of the more problematic aspects of our historical legacy and present reality, which of course has its links to all sorts of problematic issues, including colonialism, for example. Take, for example, where we are now. We're in Langa Township here in, in Cape Town. It's both incredible that Airbnb has chosen to, to bring this conference here. Of, of all the sort of budding tourist spots in the city that desperately need the spotlight, the revenue, the attention, this place perhaps more so than other places in town that get it without trying. But at the same time, you know, how do we balance promoting that without perpetuating problematic stereotypes and problematic ideas and ideologies that we'd like to leave behind? It's a, it's a lovely question and it's a great one to close on. I think importantly, be true to who you are. There are 1.3 billion people traveling around the world. They all don't want the same thing. Some people want to be able to get much more up close and personal, others not. But for destinations, no tourist is asking a destination to sell their soul. There is no reason why a destination with any history goes across the world. So whether we're talking about South Africa's past or anywhere else in the world, even it could be recent past, Every single country has its history and it has its future. But to be able to move into the future, we cannot cut off the history. Whatever it is, it's how we position it. So Rwanda's done a spectacular job. And as much as people go to the destination for the gorillas, when you're in Kigali, the Genocide Museum is a spectacular journey that really does echo that principle of never again. And so when you go to Rwanda, you think the gorillas might be the primary impact on your heart as a visitor, it's actually, funny enough, it's the museum because they're learning from it. 
But to go into Rwanda and step right over its history and go straight to the gorillas insults the nation's background. So I think for any destination, we need to recognize what is our history? What have we come from? How can we use that as fuel into the, free, into the future? And then based on that, create something that allows the tourists to understand that who we are, we are proud of for our journey, even if we're not necessarily pleased with a specific chapter in that. Anita Menderata, it's been a pleasure having you on the African Tech Roundup. Thank you very much. Andile, thank you very, very much.